With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. podcast i am andrew alex from espn blacksburg i am joined by the usual suspects and a returning guest one that many of you listeners found to be incredibly enjoyable but first the regular suspects we got ricky LeBlue in the seven five what's going on man how was your day andrew i am not in the seven five seven i am in tennessee i am at my i'm at my dad's visiting for christmas um Obviously, it's a bit early, but this is the time I could get off from work. So I am all the way out in the middle of nowhere, uh, but it's awesome. I'm really happy I could be here. I'm really glad that we can do this podcast because Lord knows today was a very consequential day in kind of the the paradigm of Virginia Tech athletics. And uh, I, I think our guest, who will be introduced here momentarily, is uniquely authorized to comment on on such topics. I, I most certainly agree with that, Ricky. But first, we got to introduce Mike McDaniel, who I'm guessing is in Northern Virginia. Mike, we've already spoken today on the radio, but how are you? I'm good. Today was a uh, busy day. I think if you're a Virginia Tech fan, a lot of folks are exhausted from some of the comments that came out of today. And I, I think... Uh, Fans are at a boiling point based on what we've seen out of the program the last five or six weeks, coupled with some of the decision-making, uh, right, wrong, or indifferent from what Babcock and the athletic department. So it'll be interesting to see where tech goes from here. That it will. That it will. We're also joined today, like I said, by a special guest. We have former Virginia Tech offensive lineman Dwight Vick. Dwight, how are you, sir? Hey, what's going on, man? I'm good. I'm um, good. Um... I'm really glad to be back on. Um, you know, I had fun the last time, and you know, I'm great. I'm, I'm honored to be on to talk uh, Virginia Tech football, the program, and you know, let's let's share our thoughts and chop it up. So I'm I'm doing good. Dwight, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on, and we're going to dig into a plethora of topics. It was a uh, no shortage of news day in Blacksburg. But first, before we do any of that, I have to tell the folks at home that this podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at Main Street Pharmacy. Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg is the pharmacy that you want to go to if you want a healthcare provider that truly cares about you. If that's what you're interested in, look no further than Main Street Pharmacy. Dr. Jeremy Counts and his wonderful staff will take care of everything you need. Well, gentlemen, the news was essentially leaked late last night. Despite what many in the Virginia Tech fan base thought, Justin Fuente will be returning to coach the Hokies in 2021. Ricky LeBlue, I just want to ask you first, because you have been 
boiling for the last 24 hours. What was your initial reaction when you heard that Fuente was returning? I was okay with it. Um, a couple weeks ago, maybe not a couple, but a few weeks ago, I laid out three options that, that Whip Babcock had regarding the Virginia Tech program to get Virginia Tech back to where they want to be. Option one was to fire Justin Fuente, basically tear down the entire coaching staff, start from scratch, um, and go from there. Option two was to run it back. Um, essentially bring back everyone from this past season's coaching staff, bring back all those people, uh, retain all the people that may leave into the transfer portal, and basically start start over with last last season's regime. Option three was to keep Justin Fuente, but to make some serious, significant, obvious changes, not just with the coaching staff, but in the way that the head coach operates. Um, so I was okay, and I actually advocated for that road, right? Because of the pandemic, Virginia Tech is not a, a behemoth in fundraising. Um, Virginia Tech has, at early on, it was rumored they were going to lose $50 million. Apparently, they've been able to get that number down to about 15, which for, for you know, little people like myself, $15 million is a lot of, a lot of money, right? Like, even though that's a lot of savings, $15 million is still $15 million. But Virginia Tech was able to knock that, that number down. But still, it's hard to justify in a situation like that when you've just laid off numerous people who have been longtime loyal uh, employees of the Virginia Tech Athletic Department. There's an optics issue uh, in everything that goes into that. So I actually advocated for that third road, right, where Whip Babcock retains Justin Fuente he works with Justin to make some serious changes inside his program. He works to make some serious changes with the coaching staff. And then Virginia Tech can try and, and alleviate some of those problems that they have had over the last couple of seasons, uh, or last really the last three seasons, which have fallen short of the standard in Blacksburg. Um, so when Justin Fuente was like, or when he, it was basically announced that he was retained, which was basically broken when they said he was going to be on Tech Talk Live last night, right? <laughs> which was an odd way of confirming that Justin Fuente was going to stick around. Um, I was okay with it, but I, I urged people to kind of take a wait-and-see approach. Um, wait and hear from Whit Babcock. Wait and hear from Justin Fuente. Wait for the next month, month and a half, to see if Virginia Tech makes any significant changes to the coaching staff or the way that the coaching staff operates and then we can make a reasonable decision or a reasonable judgment as to how this program is charting the course moving forward. So today we have the, the press conference with Whit Babcock. And um, in, in true Whit Babcock fashion, Whit tried, in my opinion, to be as transparent as he could. But today's press conference was not very great. Um, Mike and I were on that press conference. I think Mike, uh, Andrew, were you on that presser as yeah, well? I was on there too. Okay. So all three of us are on that press conference. Dwight, I'm sure was following along. Um, and I think all three of us and all four of us can agree that press conference did not go well. The, the messaging was not very good with Babcock. 
in my opinion, did not deliver the kind of reassurances that were necessary to keep this fan base on board. Um, I think the fan base, at least the majority of them, would be fine with keeping Justin Fuente if they knew that there were going to be concrete, specific steps that had been laid out to the fan base as to how Virginia Tech was going to fix this. We didn't get any of that in this press conference today. We got a lot of platitudes. We had a lot of corporate speak, um, a lot of generalities. We did not get those specific concrete steps that this program is going to take in order to make sure that 2018 and 2020 do not happen again. Um, so I get why a lot of people are angry with this, with this administration. I get it. Um, I have been very consistent on the fact that I do not think Virginia tech fancy to pull their donations and I will die on that Hill, but to, to, to kind of sum up my general thoughts on this presser, and we can dive into the specifics later. I want to hear your guys' thoughts. This press conference did not do almost anything to alleviate the fears and the concerns that Virginia Tech fans have when it comes to the institutional problems that this administration is facing, whether it be recruiting, alumni relations, player development, uh, game planning, all of those things. Ricky, one thing that kind of stuck out to me from the press conference, and first, credit to Whit Babcock, it does take a lot in such a stressful time in your job to go and talk to people and take questions from the media. And yes, Virginia Tech Athletic Department, I think not just us, but many in the media and in the fan base have been critical of them, especially within the football program, of the lack of transparency and kind of how the door is closed on everything and you kind of had to figure things out on your own. That being said, I kind of felt like there was mixed messaging from Babcock because he comes in and he says, Fuente is our guy. I think we can win with him, so on and so forth. And later in the press conference, he kind of goes and explains all the technical reasons why burning the program down and hiring another head coach wouldn't be a good idea. And nothing he said was a lie. A new coach would be taking over after National Signing Day. He wouldn't have the opportunity to recruit. The you know, de facto new car smell in that first recruiting class would be taken away if this coach had to play their first season without a true opportunity to recruit. And you're putting the guy behind the eight ball to begin with. He, he basically, in summation, said all of that. But if you are going and saying you have faith in this guy and that you think your plan with Justin Fuente at the helm is going to work in the long term, that in his own words, the seeds have been planted. We are just waiting for them to come to fruition. Then why would you bother to explain all the other reasons why not, like why terminating him would be a bad idea? Because it basically makes it seems like in a non-COVID year, maybe Justin Fuente would have been out of the job. And I don't know if that's true, but I, I think the mixed messaging further reinforces what many Virginia Tech fans fear now is that a year of Justin Fuente as a lame duck coach is going to do significant long-term damage to the program. Mike and Dwight both, I, what were your thoughts on the press conference as a whole, the messaging, and what did you take away from it? My, my major takeaways were very similar to, to Ricky's and yours, Andrew. I think it takes a lot of guts to go out there in front of your fan base when the coach is embattled and take a bullet from them. It's the second time 
in 11 months that Whit Babcock has done that. He did that back in late January when Justin Fuente had interviewed a Baylor and turned that job down. Babcock went out and he defended his head coach. Virginia Tech uh, goes out this year, performs at a level that is unacceptable relative to the expectations that most have for the program. Finished the year five and six. Nice victory over UVA to cap the year off. But I think if you're looking at it um, in totality, I think there were certainly some high points, but very, you know, large low points, right? The, the Pittsburgh loss is where I thought that this ship had sailed, right? And that Virginia Tech would move on. It wasn't the Liberty loss. Yeah, it, it wasn't the Liberty loss for me. And it, and it wasn't the Wake Forest loss even. Uh, to me, it was the Pittsburgh loss because that's a team that you should be uh, very competitive with every year in the ACC. And for you to just kind of lay an egg on the road late in the year like that after losing to Liberty, that's where I thought Virginia Tech under Justin Fuente, uh, that, that ship had sailed. And that's when I wrote that column for Sons of Saturday, basically expressing that regardless of what happened with Justin Fuente's job status, I thought that the era uh, was over. And it could very well still be over. But I think the big takeaway for me today is that with Babcock, I think has effectively tied his legacy to the success or failure of Justin Fuente. With Babcock, um, we've praised him up and down for the athletic director that he is and what he's brought to the table since coming to Blacksburg. The hire of Justin Fuente initially, which looked like a home run. The hire of Buzz Williams, which was an overwhelming success the hire of Mike Young, which so far so good. Virginia Tech's playing a ranked Clemson team tonight and has looked very good so far. Not to mention all the smaller hires he's made in the, in the Olympic sports. Olympic sports. Uh, the baseball team has a, has a new manager uh, that has that program on the up and up. He has done a and, great and, job. And, and the women's yes. basketball coach. Yeah, the Kenny women's basketball Brooks. coach. Signing Kenny Brooks to an extension, by the way, in this offseason as well. I mean, tying him to Blacksburg for a while. A lot of successes for Whit Babcock as athletic director. But what Whit Babcock did today was not only stick by Justin Fuente, which was an unpopular choice, but effectively tie his legacy to Fuente for better or worse. It was almost as if, and maybe we find out something different here in, you know, shortly regarding what Virginia Tech's going to do differently on the field in the short term rather than the long term. But as it stands now, it appears that Virginia Tech is going to be keeping several staff members in key positions in place, keeping the status quo with the current staff, basically signaling that this five and six season can magically turn around, which I'm not really sure I buy. And in essence, with Babcock, in my opinion, Dwight, and I'll, I'll let you jump in here, I feel like he's putting almost blind trust in Justin Fuente and his staff that I'm not sure is warranted based on what we've seen over the better part of the last three years. But Dwight, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. Well, you know, you guys have made some great points. And I'll just add, because um, Ricky, all you guys have made great points, and some of you guys <laughs> stole my thunder. But I'll just say this. I knew when – first of all, I was excited for the UVA win because I'll just say this. Uh, from a um, football analytical standpoint, Bronco Mendenhall and company could have buried Virginia Tech Saturday night. Like, imagine if they win that game 37-10 to 10 or 45-14. Not only do you take back the state, but you create a two-game winning streak. You embarrass Virginia Tech on national TV, and you can change the perception in Charlottesville uh, from Virginia Tech's little brother to, you know what, you guys are done, and we ended it. And, and I was very surprised that UVA did not take the lead on that. Um, 
I somewhat felt like they were ready to go home. I talked to a couple of guys, including my guy, Mon Hawkins, who covers UVA. And uh, we both talked about today and even um, the night after the game. I think they still, they lost some momentum when they were ready to go home. They had been there for several months without leaving the campus. And they already had hinted that they weren't going to a bowl. And it was almost like once Virginia Tech got up, they were like, whatever. But with that being said, as happy I was, as I was as an alumni and fan and also Virginia Tech football supporter, um, it was a great win. I knew at that moment um, that we were going to keep Coach Coach Fuente because five and six is not a, not the standard at Virginia Tech, but you win the game in convincing fashion over your arch rival. Um, I thought it was a good moment for his staff. And I, I, I watched very close. I, even, I record most games anyway, how the players celebrated with him, Diablo, and um, the quarterbacks and everybody, you know, uh, Khalil Herbert, everybody was happy. It was euphoric. And they didn't quit on him. And when you're dumping Gatorade, then someone, I'm sure you guys saw on Twitter, somebody on the team, I forgot the player's name, leaked the video of Fuente talking, saying you didn't effing quit. And there was jubilation. So I was like, okay, wow, there's some emotion there. Um, I hadn't seen that emotion from Coach Fuente in the locker room. We don't get much access since the sixth overtime win game against Carolina last year uh, when there's a picture that floated around with him screaming towards the air, the ceiling. With that being said, I followed along with the press conference and um, I took notes. And even throughout the season, I would ask myself these questions. And it was basically, am I excited for the football program next season? Am I looking forward to next season? Um, do you feel confident in the coaches and players that we have and that we're getting, you know, as far as, you know, do you feel like these guys can help us get, a division title, at least that, because that's what we be playing for every year. That's the standard. Um, is the trajectory of the football program ascending? Are we heading in the right direction? And the relationships. And I think to Ricky's point, you don't know what the plan is. I think Witt, and um, I don't know which one of you just didn't said it, but I think he told no lies in regards to when you reboot a program right before signing day after the season with the dead period, all of that stuff is true. Um, and he knows what he's talking about. I think the issue right now is Virginia Tech fans feel <laughs> there's no doubt. And secretly, I feel like I, when I say no doubt, I feel like there's no hope. I, got, I feel like it's a hopeless feeling. and it, it, It's manifests itself into frustration and uncomfortable feelings because truthfully, and I've said this, I think many Virginia Tech football fans are very concerned if they're going to drift off into obscurity or you become that dreaded irrelevant program, you know, in the state. And not only in the state, but in the conference. And that's scary because I watched from afar what happened to UVA after George Welsh left. They had a couple of good years with Grove. Mike London had a couple of years, really one year. And then even with Bronco, they had that great season last year, but that was still only an eight and four season or eight and five, whatever. Um, but that's their program. With us right now, um, I think the image of Virginia Tech is taking a shot this season and last year. That's the issue. And when I heard Wick talk today, or at least read it, read the transcripts and followed along and saw the conversations, I felt like he was saying the right things in a general, in a general statement, but I didn't really feel like there was a concrete plan. I feel like he is putting his eggs in Coach Fuente's basket, which makes sense. He's got a ride for his guy. And I think he made a good point about having former players on the staff. You know, my guys, Pearson Prelo and 
Jack Tyler and I, I love Justin Hamilton. Um, and there is a dead period, but what is the plan going forward? And I think fans had the right to be very upset about not having access to being able to watch that. I think perception is reality in life, right? Like if you feel like I can invest emotionally and financially in this team and this program, then you're going to back it. And I feel like from what I'm seeing and feeling, there is a disconnect amongst Hokie Nation. And let me just cite this for guys, you guys on this podcast, and I'll let you guys run with it. Coach Beamer, I'm paraphrasing, but this is pretty much the gist of what he said as he discussed the motivating factors, you know, post-retirement, why he decided to step away as coach. He felt like, number one, it was time. And he also stated that basically I felt like Hokie Nation was becoming divided, right? He said that. I'm paraphrasing, but I'm pretty much as he said that. Yes, he if did. Is, okay. So where are we right now, guys? Are we not divided? I feel like when I log on Twitter, hey, what's up, guys? Good morning. That's a tweet. Hey, 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 are you pro Fuente or not? <laughs> I feel like that's the first question. I have over 6,000 followers. Hey, are you pro Fuente or not? Why? Why are you pro Fuente? Oh, you SOB, you wouldn't know. And it's crazy. And <laughs> we're not even talking. The win was not even really celebrated. It was more so, okay, the uh, buyout goes down by 2.5 million. What are we going to do, guys? That is what happened. This, the, 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 the hot seat, the, the controversy, the energy is about buyouts. And we should be talking about, hey, man, we should be playing for an ACC championship. And that should be the standard. And I'll just add this. Um, I know there were some tough losses. I don't ever log on and wake up during the season or pre prior to the season starting with the motivation or uh, objective to say we need to fire a coach. That man has a family. That man is invested in regards to he knows the game. Coach Fuente I'm referring to. I, I don't think that is productive to wish somebody gets fired. I think the issue is when I watch Tech perform and you look at the program, there's it's just we don't know what to expect, whether it's injuries or uh, why this why Hendon Hook is not starting, why Mitchell's returning punts. We are left to assume, and that's when, you know, you get these opinions floating out there, and that's when you have the question marks. And personally, you know, I don't, I don't know what else to do, you know, as far as what to expect. Um, that's why I said those questions I asked, what are you expecting? Are you, like right now, are you guys excited for next season? No. Personally? <laughs> no, I'm not. I mean, Andrew, go ahead. Go ahead. I would say personally – the toxicity around the program is very bad. And like Dwight mentioned, we're so divided. And I see kind of the writing on the wall with the players that are going to go pro and the amount of heat that will be on Justin Fuente's seat from day one. And even if he does have some semblance of success, it's still going to be very nitpicky. There's still going to be a lot of tension. And if it ultimately doesn't go well, the lame duck year. And I keep saying that, but it's true. It, it will have been a wasted year with a guy that could have been let go before, but wasn't. So, and, you know, with some of these fans, right. I know there are people who the team isn't playing well and they jump to say he's lost the locker room. They all hate him. I think we can see that that's not true. Some of these guys go out and on Twitter and stand for this man. They do have genuine love for this man. Now, does that mean he should be retained as head coach? 
on that merit solely? No, you can look at his performance and you could make a compelling argument that he should be fired. The argument against it is okay too. But at the end of the day, it just seems like we've reached a point where if Mike's article from a few weeks ago was correct and the Fuente era effectively came to an end in the middle to end of this season, then we kind of just got to hold our breaths, hope he can turn it around. And perception is in fact reality. It's going to be tough to recruit when half the fan base is against you. It's going to be tough to recruit when the guy who is the face of the program is at the top of every preseason hot list for uh, our hot seat list going into next year. It's going to be a stomachache of a season. And I'm really curious to see what you guys define as success in 2021 that would lead to this guy's retention. Well, well, Dwight well, let me, and Ricky, let me, let me, can, can, go ahead, go ahead, I, Dwight. No, no, I just, I, while, while I answer that question, well, at least I have a point to, to what you're saying. Can someone, while we talk, pull up next year's schedule? Because that would help me. Because, you again, we can't never project the future, but it always helps to see who we have. Dwight, right? I got, so let me, you got it? I got it off the top. It's uh, the regular coastal schedule, assuming we go back to a normal ACC season. The crossover game will be Syracuse. Notre Dame comes to Blacksburg, and the Hokies travel to West Virginia. They'll also play Richmond and Middle Tennessee State. Okay, so that's a decent schedule, and there's some hidden tough games as always, especially that Middle Tennessee State game, a game Tech should win, but you know how even going back to my era, we we typically struggle. You know, you know, again, that's just the reality of our program, going back to even the Tyrod years, right? So with that being said, one thing I think, again, and I'm going off quotes by what Witt said. I'm looking at some of the stuff. Again, I took notes. I was really excited about this podcast tonight. Um, basically, one of the quotes was when Witt was uh, describing Fuente, he's a family man, often misunderstood and very private. He has every right to be all of that, referring to Coach Fuente. Again, I think the transparency and lack of connection, right? Coach I mean, excuse me, Whit Babcock reported that he consulted with people, got scouting reports about Virginia Tech's program. Again, I think it's very telling. And I'm not even putting myself in this category because I'm pretty rational. But you had former players making YouTube videos. <laughs> My guys, Brendan Hill and, and D'Angelo Hall, about advocating for shame. You know, Brandon Flowers. These are hokey legends. These are guys that should be like, hey, let's be patient and – Come on, we won't even focus on the UVA week. And I think that is where I'm not sure the guys over it and, 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 and who makes the call, you know, the Pete Morris's and everybody that runs the accounts and the alumni relations understand the importance of relationships. Because when you get these guys that have been through that tunnel and been on campus for three, four or five years, some of them come back for spring games and things of that nature, they should be pushing and supporting but I don't know if that is something they really realize. And again, so if you have, let's say, 20 former players going on and having a thread on Twitter, whether it's Greg Boone and different guys like that, and they're talking about this team is this and this team is that, everybody's going to be critical. That's just how Saturdays go. But when it comes to the point where it's divisive because everyone's so emotional, it distracts, as Ricky and you guys talked about, from people wanting to be Hokies, like young guys and and future players. Um, and that's, that's, you got to mend those relationships. And that's why I asked you guys, and I wasn't really expecting an answer. Well, what's the plan to change that, right? My whole thing on this, Dwight, honestly, is that 
I personally, and I'm interested to hear y'all's thoughts because it kind of ties into what you were just saying. Personally, I wonder, just based off of Whit Babcock's comments today, he doesn't really seem like he's in a big rush to fire Justin Fuente. I wonder if Fuente is not only safe next year. Now, now of course, all bets are off if this thing totally bombs out. Tech wins five games again. He's probably going to let him go. But I do wonder if Virginia Tech wins like seven or eight games again next year, does Whit Babcock pull the trigger on Justin Fuente? I, I'm not sure that Justin Fuente is in a lame duck situation. It seems like Whit Babcock has tied his, his boat to Justin Fuente for better or worse. I talked about the legacy thing, but now I wonder if he's talking about all these infrastructure changes and changes are trying to make to financial donations and trying to bring Virginia Tech up to the top third in the ACC in regards to football, uh, football donor support. Well, if all that is true, and you think that that's the chief reason why Virginia Tech is struggling the way that it is, I'm not sure he'd even make a move on Fuente if, uh, assuming that Virginia Tech wins like seven games, eight games next year, I'm not sure he'll be all that quick to pull, pull the trigger, which is something that when I wrote my article saying that it's over for Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech, like I mentioned in that article, I wasn't sure when that would be, whether it was end of this year, end of next year. But now if I could go back and rewrite that from five weeks ago, I, I think my mind has changed. I'm not sure that Whit Babcock is in all that big of a hurry to let him go. And Virginia Tech fans don't want to hear that. But based on the comments today in the press conference, it gives this vibe that Babcock's going to be patient with Fuente and ride it out with his guy. That might be the case, Mike. But, and this is something that some people may not want to talk about, but if Whit Babcock is going to be that patient with Justin Fuente, then Whit Babcock needs to worry about his own job. Um, Tech fans needed to see, needed to hear specific concrete solutions and plans that were going to turn this ship around. The only specific plan that I remember hearing from the press conference was this football infrastructure fund in which Whit Babcock and Justin Fuente have been able to get 15 in the fundraising team over there at the Hokie Club, have been able to get 15 to 20 donors to commit to raising a significant amount of money over the next five years. That's terrific. That's good news. There is no bad news about that whatsoever. The problem is there was no specific discussion about how Virginia Tech and Justin Fuente are going to improve recruiting. There was no specific discussion or information about how Justin Fuente and, and Virginia Tech were going to improve alumni relations. There was no specific or um, concrete steps regarding anything other than the small infrastructure fund, which again is a great, great job, but that's it. That's all we got. We got nothing about recruiting. We got nothing about player development, nothing about alumni relations, none of that. So if you're a, if you're a tech fan that donates a moderate amount of money to the Hokie Club and you have concerns about the Hokie Club, or excuse me, about the program moving forward and you listen to this press conference or you watch my tweets or Mike's tweets or Andrew's tweets or Andy Bitter's tweets or whoever the hell you follow, and you don't see these specific concrete solutions being presented, your confidence in the program and the program's leadership is going to be shaken. I, 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 I can't argue that. I, I can't argue against, uh, against someone feeling uncertain or being skeptical of the Virginia Tech Department or the Virginia Tech Athletic Department feeling good about where they're going. 
watching this press conference to me, I didn't get the sense that there was any sort of urgency. Virginia Tech is in a serious problem right now. Virginia Tech has had two losing seasons if they and that's if they don't play a bowl game, which is kind of up in the air at the moment. If they don't play a bowl game, this will be the second losing season in the last three years. That is mm. unheard of at Virginia Tech since the early 90s before Frank started to get things rolling. It is unheard of. And for most Tech fans, and including myself as an alumni, it is unacceptable. And I think every single donor would say that two losing seasons is unacceptable. So for donors who are putting money into the Hokie Club, and for full disclosure, I do not donate to the Hokie Club. Since I am an observer of the program, I've tried to maintain a level of objectivity as much as possible, which is hard considering I'm an alumni. But for those people that are giving their hard-earned dollars into the Hokie Club, how are they supposed to feel confident about the direction of the program and the direction of the athletic department when there are no clear, concrete, specific steps and plans being not only initiated but expressed towards the fan base so they can feel confident about where this program is moving forward? I don't have – I, I, can't, I can't alleviate or, or argue the concerns – of people on Twitter or people in DMs or people in my email or whatever who are concerned about the program because there are no solutions being provided. Well, and I feel like many tech fans and people around the program who saw this Whit Babcock press conference announced once it was kind of assumed that Justin Fuente was going to be retained, figured that that would be the point of the whole thing. It would be, hey, we're sticking with this guy, but we're going to do A, B, and C. Yes. And they only listened yes. to what they were previously doing, right? Like, I was incredibly shocked. And maybe I shouldn't have been as shocked when I thought maybe a coordinator change would be mentioned or something like that. But Witt essentially said that he is not a invasive athletic director. He hires the executive of the program, and the executive has their will to pick and choose who remains on their staff. And I thought there would just be one thing, and maybe he alluded to a couple of things, and I'm sure that these are, there are problems. I mean, Witt's not an idiot. When he's talking to Justin Fuente, there are conversations that maybe out of respect to Fuente, he didn't specifically mention. He did get at the recruiting in Virginia, which we know is close to uh, Dwight's heart, how much of a failure that's been. But I just don't think there was any concrete solutions. It was kind of just Witt, feeling like he had to say something because of the consequential nature of his decision to keep this guy. And while it's nice to have him take questions, it definitely didn't satisfy a large portion of this fan base, if anyone. I mean, no, it nothing, didn't. nothing really changed, right? No, no, no well, I'm, oh, it, 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 and it didn't, but I, and, and just to add to it, I think when you have Shane Beamer, a Hokie alum, former football player, uh, guy that's paid his dues the last 14 or 15 years in the coaching, um, college coaching profession. Um, when he got to South Carolina, first of all, the former players advocated for him. Their AD and football administrators reached out and consulted with former players for the hire. And then Shane Beamer mentioned former players in his press conference and invited them back. I think that... <laughs> That was salt in the wounds indirectly because that's not happening here. And then 
you guys saw my tweet. I don't know Pete Morris other than we've seen each other a few times and spoken. And I, I do want to talk to him. But I think that's kind of when you say I'll reach out and entertain. Why, why is it that we are being invited to reach out to him? Why is that not already a standard? It's not like this administration and the coaching staff, most of them, not, you know, Justin Ham, but all those guys have been there for five years pretty much, except for a few changes here and there. And again, I go back to the plan and perception. Um, it just feels like right now um, it's just very, very vague. And it, it, I think it's just, it's, it's disappointing because I'll, I'll say this, some of these issues, and I've said this before, some of these issues that Witt and Coach Fuente and his staff inherited were prior to them arriving. There were issues that were present when Weaver was there. God rest his soul. There were. I mean, you can say what you want, but I was part of – I was at Tech when Weaver arrived, and I, I was there going to the program, and things were changing. Um, they, had a, they, they were hot for a while when they went to the ACC, and right around 2011 when Clemson took hold of the ACC, that's when Virginia Tech kind of struggled to maintain and get back to owning the ACC as far as, you know, football success. But the infrastructure of the program took a hit because Clemson became – very, very powerful, and Florida State with Jimbo, you know, got back to prominence, and all of a sudden Virginia Tech was kind of just stagnant. That's why I said it's not all on them, but with that being said, I'll just share this with you guys, right? I've never, in the many times I've interacted with Ricky and you guys on this podcast and even on Twitter, have never made you feel inadequate because you didn't play football, right? I, just because I played at a high level, doesn't mean we can't have a conversation. I can't gain insight to what you think about X's and O's or what we should do. But from a fan-based standpoint, and I include myself in that, even though I'm a former player and alumni, I feel like the powers that be don't really feel like we know anything or offer any insight that can help things, <laughs> right? You got to get what I'm saying? Dwight, so before we started recording, I brought up Todd Washington. And Todd is someone that you have talked to um, quite a while you guys played together for most of your careers. Uh, from my understanding, Todd and you got there at the same time, but you redshirted. So Todd is someone that you have spent a lot of time around, I'm assuming. Yes, yes, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yes. So Todd, for those who don't know who Todd Washington is, he was a longtime starter at Virginia Tech, fourth round draft pick in the NFL, played the NFL for like eight years. He's currently an offensive assistant with the New York Jets. He has coached at all sorts of levels in football, whether it be college or the NFL. He was on the Ravens, uh, in the Ravens organization when they won the Super Bowl. This guy understands football, okay? Todd Washington replied to one of my tweets earlier today when I was reporting about how Whip Babcock was speaking directly to alumni and how he was saying he understands how much the program means to them. And he wants him to come around campus and, and meet with him once the pandemic is over. Uh, Todd tweeted at me and said, quote, so I can get the cold shoulder again. And then and he put it in quotes himself. Sounds good. So this is someone <laughs> this is someone who has who is entrenched in the history of Virginia Tech and really the rise of Virginia Tech in the mid 90s someone who has played at the NFL, someone who has NFL contacts, someone who is currently in the NFL as a coach. And this is someone who does not feel welcome in Blacksburg. I didn't hear one specific thing from Whip Babcock today, and maybe we'll hear something 
I guess it'll be today when this podcast is published. Uh, when Justin Fuente speaks with the media later about National Signing Day, I didn't hear one specific action that's going to be taken in order to make alumni of the program, guys who put blood, sweat, and tears into this program, make them feel welcome and make them feel like they were a part of the program and they had a vested stake and interest in this football program. I didn't hear that today. And Dwight, you're a guy who put in and put in a ton of time, a ton of effort, and a ton of sweat and tears into this into this program. And you have you you have been a fan, a supporter, an observer of this program forever, as someone who helped bring Virginia Tech to where they are now. How frustrating is that? That it doesn't seem like the administration is understanding the issues that alumni feel that they are having? I think it's very simple. And I think sometimes, I, I don't know if you saw my tweet, because, I mean, you and I both, Ricky, and the rest of everybody, we, you see so many threads and so many tweets. But I said, sometimes the answer, I tweeted this, sometimes the answer to your problem or your solution is right in front of you, right? And we complicate things because of our ego, because we don't feel like doing it or our preference, right? So with that being said, I, look, I mentioned what South Carolina did. I think it's simple. One, you don't even have to wait to COVID. You can do a Zoom, Blackboard, Google Drive, whatever you want to use, whatever app, and get maybe 30 players and just have a discussion. You know, a powwow, make it secretive as far as have a password, only you can get it, no recording, and just talk, a dialogue. We don't, because when you come back for campus for cookouts and things like that, that's more so hey, let's get together, chop it up. But we don't even do that. It's more so go upstairs, you know, get some some food, some barbecue. I think it needs to be a conversation about the program, right? Like, you know, a conversation to what do you guys see? Because I, that's what I meant about, like, there there's a contingency of a lot of players that even besides Todd, like, just don't feel welcome, right? And that's not solely on Coach Fuente because, um, again, he took over five years ago. And he's got a coach, and I understand it. And, and and to the comment about him being a private person, often misunderstood, I don't think that's really his his whole thing. I don't think he really wants to chop it up. And You know, I, I think he would be nice and cordial if he met me or whatever. But I think when it comes down to, you know, alumni relations with former football players, that is not complicated. That is not a hard fix. It needs to be a conversation and, a, and an ongoing dialogue. I think people – Maybe you mentioned the word, I mentioned the word misunderstood. I think sometimes it's misunderstood of what the objective is for former football players, right? There's, I went on Andy Bitter's blog a few years ago when I had that infamous tweet when I said, you can't tweet this is home when you won't give us the key to the back door, right? And there were people on 247 message boards and on Twitter. I was a fan of Dwight Vick, but I can't believe he said that. He, these guys want statues, who they think they are, these has-beens. It's not There's even that deep. There's nothing to do with that. I don't want, I don't feel like I'm owed anything. I'm self-made. I am forever married to Virginia Tech. I give credit where credit is due. I love the old line they got now. I love the the, the, the players as far as just seeing them do well. I want to see them do well in the league, the Edmonds brothers. But here's the thing. There's, you talk about Todd, and I'll give you other names. There are a lot of guys, DJ Parker, and I one time, we're coming back on campus to see the new indoor practice facility. And you can ask DJ Parker about this. The guy running the door wouldn't let us in there. He wouldn't even let us walk in. We told him who we were. He didn't even know who we were. Not so much me, but it's not just me. It's a lot of guys. 
um, I think that's what's missing. It, human relationships is not that complicated. I think that's why I said sometimes it needs to be a dialogue, not the vague back and forth, not a mental man, not a tweet saying, hey, if you want to come back, I'm here, let's talk, you know, on Twitter. No, like send on the Zoom link or, you know, I think some of this stuff people forget because after my tweet, Derek Smith, or maybe prior to my tweet, Derek Smith, the former Virginia Tech lineman who also played with Ty Washington and myself and Janeiro DiNapoli, had the letter and, to the and editor. And from my understanding, Dwight, Derek Smith has actually donated some of his personal money into the program, and that money is not an insignificant amount, if I remember correctly. I believe so. So that's but but that's the thing. Like, I think the ball was dropped to some degree, and I'll put this out there on this podcast. Witt had Kevin Jones, who was kind of like his assistant, who was working with myself and a lot of former players to improve relations. Well, Kevin Jones held that role for a year or two, and then he went on to do his own thing. So since then, there's really nobody there to fill that void. And maybe that's a budget issue, or maybe that's something they don't want to focus on. I just think that there's a contingency of people who, former from, from football players who want to see the team do well and, and want to be able to support the current staff. And as far as the recruiting goes with Virginia, you know, Bronco Mendenhall and Coach Fuente are not from Virginia, right? And they're both, as far as knowledgeable coaches, and they had their fair share of success, even come before they arrived at their respective universities, UVA and Virginia Tech. But I think it's essential if you go to any new area to bring in people in the know and build the relationships. Like, I think I'm not going to skid on this show right now and advocate that Tech hire Lauren Johnson. That's been overstated for several years now. But I think just talking to guys like that to understand the dynamics that go into different parts of Virginia and relationships and just changing the perception. Because right now, Ricky, you talked about this. We're at a crossroads as far as our branding. You know, like what's our identity on the field and who are we as a program? And I think if you look back at Coach Beamer's tenure, he had his shortcomings at times. He made mistakes. But I think you felt like Virginia Tech had an identity outside of Beamer Ball. It was about relationships. Like the whole this is home started because of what Beamer started. So if that's the this is home mantra that you want to push, it needs to be connected on all levels. But I think right now, I don't even want to waste you guys' time with the many uh, DMs I have and text messages about people feeling some kind of way about what was said today or what wasn't said. I knew, and it wasn't even, you know, hoping for blood today. I wasn't hoping so much there was, uh, like, oh, drastic changes. You know, some people want that. I get it. I just wanted to know where we were going, where we were headed. Like, what is the plan? And I think some of this, once COVID is contained and as a vaccine and things go back to somewhat of a normal, the best thing they can do right now is open it up, the program where there's more of a connection, there's more access, and we have more insight into what what's going on, like, I don't know if it was, but even pre-COVID, like guys, I mean, we don't see, remember those videos that you show the all access videos where they used to show like uh, those cut the clips of practices and you saw guys running and things, not, not through the Virginia Tech Twitter account, but like on ESPN, you and ESPN. I don't even know how that goes in Blacksburg right now. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't really see that. Like in reality, the, the video of Fuente getting emotional in the locker room if you just showed any more of that, like, yeah, he might not exactly be the most personal guy at the podium, but clearly there is some emotion there. This is a guy that cares, but it's all restricted. You don't get any of that. And 
I, I will say this, and Dwight, I, I want to hear this from you, but also both Mike and Ricky. We're clearly all kind of dissatisfied with the presser today. Justin Fuente takes the podium tomorrow. What would you want to hear from him that would make you feel any level of reassured going forward? You know what, guys? I would I would love to hear him talk about, you know what, we didn't have the season we hoped for, but I met with Justin, and we're, we're moving forward with this plan. Here's what we're going to do. And then, boom, bullet points. Number one, we got to win our state. We got to win our state. I mean, like, let's, let's put it out there. Not so much we got to improve. Like, and I'm going to be planning on meeting with some of the high school coaches. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Like, you know, some coaches, just things to, to move forward. We got to win our state. Um, I've, I've gotten the feedback, you know, um, about player relations, former player relations. I plan to be meeting with guys, and we're going to have a meeting um, here come this spring. We're going to talk about this, that, whatever, get more guys involved. And we're going to focus on how to make sure those guys feel welcome and they also can be a part of what we're doing to help with fundraising, right? I had a long conversation with Devon Morgan the other night, um, and we talked about a golf tournament. He's doing a fundraising in the spring next year in Blacksburg, with, you know, hopefully with COVID being contained. And we're just trying to bring more former guys to Virginia Tech and to hang around. Um, I would also would like to hear as far as, you know, what is the plan as far as not so much the money and the fundraising, because that's always going to be something you want to address, but in regards to um, coaching relationships and like, what, like, what do you see the trajectory of the program? Like, what are we going to do with this? What are we going to do with this guy? Like, as far as um, Justin Ham, like not so much X's and O's talk, but what you feel good about and what you are concerned about a little transparency, like just, just so you know that you hear us, but you also understand what the issues are, right? Um, I felt like today was more so just to, like, like for example, I, I, I'll go back to this point. When Fuente flirted or interviewed with Butler, I mean, not Butler, uh, Baylor, right? Um, Andy Bitter had a tweet the next day that said, typically coaches don't hold press conferences when they, interview for a job and turn it down, right? Okay, Andy Bitter knows what he's talking about. And that may be true. Um, what we were shown on Twitter and throughout social media was a picture of coach and his staff in the, one of the coaches' conference rooms saying, ready to get back to work, right? I'm paraphrasing. That was it. So, and then Wick came out and talked about, I assure you, he is committed to this job. But, like, we need to hear from coach, right? We need to hear from you know, also like more more coverage, more interaction with the assistant coaches, right? Um, I remember when we used to hear from Tony and Gray, and I'm just talking about you know pre Fuente, uh, Tony and Gray, Coach Wiles. You know, we don't really hear too much from Brad Cornelson. Also, what do you guys know why Hendon Hooker wasn't starting? Like again, just some more insight into what we're going to see moving forward. That's why I asked. Were you were you relieved when the season ended, or were you disappointed? You know, and moving forward, are you excited about the future of Virginia Tech, or are you more so anxiously nervous because you don't know what this season's going to be like next year? You know, is it going to be another Max Exodus? Is it going to be, you know, more people just in the transfer portal? And um, I'll just share this with you just to wrap up my answer. I'm just sitting here, and I happen to glance at my phone, and I look, and there's a conversation between Antonio Banks and Ike Charlton talking about Antonio Banks says, Ike, a thousand percent, I told you guys in the player group chat what it was all about, dot, dot, dot. We don't matter, boss. 
This was 15 minutes ago, right? Antonio Banks, an all-world corner for Virginia Tech, the one that had the interception in 95 against UVA, and Ike Charlton, both having a conversation for all the people to see on Twitter about not feeling welcome and not caring. Those are the small things that people use against Virginia Tech in recruiting and in conference play. I'm telling you, those small things matter, and that's what needs to be repaired and mended. And if it doesn't, and you get off to a slow start next year, it's going to continue to grow and grow and grow. And I just want to end it with that. I just think sometimes the answer is right in front of you, but you choose to, to do what you, want, what, you, what you see and what you want to do. Like, that's what it comes down to. The lack of access to assistant coaches and, and Dwight, your, your point on former players and, you know, how they feel about the program, that, that point's well taken. But real quick, I want to go back to your point about access to assistant coaches because that stuck out to me today. Like a, a couple of things. Number one, like we talk to Justin Fuente every Monday. We get to talk to the players every Tuesday of game week during the season. And then we don't hear anything until post game on Saturday, right? So that's kind of how uh, that's how the press conferences work in season for Virginia Tech. Uh, we heard from Justin Hamilton earlier this year. Um, this was about halfway through the season. I forget after which game it was. It was about halfway through the season. We heard from Justin Hamilton for the first time, and I'm talking like the first time since he was hired as the team's defensive coordinator, promoted to defensive coordinator. That was the first time we had heard from him. It was the middle of the 2020 season. That was the first time we had talked to him as a media core. And the thing that stuck out to me about today's press conference with Babcock is one of the statements he made kind of off the top early in the press conference when he was talking about Brad Cornell, and he was talking about the scouting reports from other teams, you know, talked about Tech's offense. He said, I think we have to do a little bit better job of dehumanizing Brad Cornelson and make him a bit more available to people so they can kind of understand what he's about. They are just realizing that we just wrapped up year five. Brad Cornelson's been the offensive coordinator the entire time. What's taking him so long? That doesn't make any sense to me. I, I, I just, I don't understand why the access is the way that it is under Justin Fuente. It's something I'll never really understand if they just play everything so close to the vest. And at the end of the day, PR has been a problem for this football program for a while. And that, that's on a number of fronts, right? That, that's as far as access to assistant coaches. That's as far as with Babcock going out and taking a bullet for the head coach twice, good, bad, or indifferent. Like you mentioned, Dwight, sometimes we just want to hear from the head coach, right? And, and the other part of it too is why does Virginia Tech, when they know the buyout drops, right, from 12.5 million to 10 million today, why do they put out this press conference invitation yesterday afternoon around three o'clock with no real context other than let's talk about the state of the Virginia Tech football program. Don't you think they could have done a little bit better job from a PR standpoint instead of putting out that bland statement? If you're keeping Justin Fuente, say you're keeping Justin Fuente before today. I don't understand what putting out this invitation and getting national media all riled up about it. Everybody on Twitter, all eyes are on Blacksburg, right? I don't think that does your program any good when you're not putting – your program or painting your program in the best light possible. It's been a problem for the staff for a while. And I don't think that the Hokies and, and Whit Babcock and the decision makers, I don't think they painted themselves in the best light by kind of releasing the news of the press conference yesterday, the way that they did. And then one more thing before I finish up, I don't know whose responsibility this is, but the fact that Virginia tech did not have 
this press conference live stream today is a travesty. Oh. Your fan base should absolutely have access to this live rather than just seeing <laughs> the clippings from myself and Ricky and Andrew and the beat writers. I don't understand that at all, Dwight, and I'd love to get your input on that. Oh, man, listen, listen. I was livid. I kept looking for links, and then I finally saw someone. I can't remember uh, the media member that said it is not live, I mean, not available to anyone um, other than media. And I was like, are you kidding me? And I asked my wife, I said, hey, you know, and she said, I'm surprised by that. Like, what, what, would, like, what would be wrong with fans, including even alumni, whoever, to watch that press conference? And to your point, I'm, I mean, what, why not have some of the coaches there to show a unified front? Um, especially when he's being retained. I mean, I knew he was going to be retained when we beat UVA. Then I listened to him on talk, uh, talk, tech, talk live, tech talk live, right? So you knew that, but I was just surprised by that. And 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 again, I'm not going to act like I'm some branding expert or you know I I know how to move the meter with marketing, but I just feel like um, when Dabo first took over Clemson, right? He was corny, and you know. Some people thought he was a little bit overzealous with the religious stuff, but at the end of the day, it worked for him. It, it became his calling card, and he got offended when people talked about Clemson's going to do the Clemsoning when they choked away leads, and he was on everything moving, every interview, and he was up there. And that energy became infectious, and his players bought in. The same way Fuente's players, most of them buy in, but the disconnect is we don't see it unless someone leaks a video or we just happen to catch it in a picture. And I think that's the part, like today, the press conference, it, it's almost like that movie, The Firm, the old movie from the 90s with Tom Cruise, like the secrecy, like we can't know anything or we'll be forced to go away into solitary confinement if we find out any clearance secrets. Like it's a football program to some degree that needs to be some connectedness, your fans and guys need to understand, hey, man, I watched the press conference and I really felt like we're going to be fine. Like you could tell by the way he answered the questions and there was a certain energy about it. I think today was just kind of to shut everybody down and just let them know that he was going to be there and just kind of pacify the emotions of everybody to let it be known like nothing's going to happen. And that part is very disappointing. Um, but it is what it is. I think for me, uh, I'm 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 kind of scaling back right now because it's to the point now that the energy I'm going to support the basketball program and the girls' basketball program and you know hopefully that and hope they can win next year. I don't know because uh, I think right now it's to the point now I'm just overwhelmed and almost fatigued with not even enjoying my favorite team every weekend. Like, I just don't understand, like, what's going on. That's why I asked you guys the questions that I took notes on. Like, do you really feel like the program is ascending in the right way? I think we all can agree we would much rather be talking about us being 8-3 and three or 9-2, and two, you know, with a chance next year to build on the momentum and, you know, instead of being 5-6. and six. And, you know, I mean, like when – Virginia Tech came out flat against Wake Forest, right? And we gave up a loss, an inexcusable loss. Anyone can answer this question. What was the response? Like, what, what, what were we told in the press? Can anybody remember anything insightful? Are, are we talking about today? No, I'm talking about go back, Ricky, Mike, anybody. Go back to the losses we had, right? This is oh, my no. Issue. No, absolutely no, not. Right? No. <laughs> so we don't know. Like, other than the Liberty game, with the, the, the timeout that he explained, and he did take ownership for that. 
Coach Fuente, what, uh, when we came out against Wake Forest, you know, flat, like what is, you know, what, what was the reason behind that? What was, I mean, not just Wake Forest, but like, okay, it, again, I'm not trying to be analytical and, over, and picky, but like Brummeister played his ass off uh, Saturday night. He had a great game. I'm happy. I was surprised he started, but it worked out well for Tech. Has there any, again, I'm asking this question to this team right now. Is there any insight into why Hendon Hooker didn't start? Nope, zero. And, See, and, that's what, yeah, and, and Dwight, you know what else? So we've been recording now for what, about 40 minutes, Mike? Is that about fair? A little longer than that, but yeah. Okay, so we haven't mentioned that Virginia Tech just retained the Commonwealth Cup once. We haven't even <laughs> brought it up. You know why? Because the press conference today was such a, such a failure. Yes. Virginia Tech just beat Virginia by more than two scores. Virginia Tech just won back the Commonwealth Cup. Some some semblance of order has been restored in Blacksburg. The Cup is now going back to Merriman Athletic Center. That is something that Virginia Tech fans should be rejoicing to the moon because 2019 was obviously an epic disaster in that regard. But guess what? This podcast, which has now four alums on it at this point, it hasn't mentioned the Commonwealth Cup one time. And the reason why is because there's no plan. There's no specific set of goals. There's no specific set of, uh, of solutions that have been provided to us saying this is how Virginia Tech is going to go from, well, what was it in 2018? Were they six and seven, right? Yeah, right. so from, from six and seven to nine and four, to five and six, to eight and four, to nine and three, to ten and two, to ten and two, maybe eleven and one. There's no plan that has been set forth for this program. They they seem content on using option two from my article from uh, from several weeks ago, which is running it back. And I'm telling you right now, the fan base is not interested in running it back. The donors are not interested in running it back. Alumni like Dwight Vick, Todd Washington, Devon Morgan, DJ Parker, um, Bruce Smith, who Witt says that he spoke with, those alumni are not interested in running it back. I can tell you that right now. Here's what I'll say. And Dwight, when you asked, are we excited about the 2021 season? And I'll preface this with, I'm pretty much always excited for Virginia Tech football. Get, Hopefully we get some fans in the stands. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've Mike's future brother-in-law, or no, your current brother-in-law or future brother-in-law tweeted kind of, yeah, basically kind of sarcastically, none of this matters. I just want to tailgate with you and sit in the stands. And like to some degree, I agree with that because a season where we couldn't go to Lane Stadium is a travesty. At the same time, there is a commonality over the last three seasons, and it's not just the disappointing results. Between 2018, where the bottom fell out and they were losing by two, three touchdowns in ACC games, that led to an offseason where Fuente wasn't necessarily on the hot seat yet, or he had maybe just gotten on the hot seat, but there was mass exodus. There was the Sports Illustrated article, and you know that raises your blood pressure. Then you go into 2019, horrible start, worst home loss in X amount of years, and it comes against Duke. 
they end up being able to kind of claw back into the season with that ACC win streak led by Hendon Hooker when he made the switch to starting quarterback. But then you go into the offseason and there's the Fuente Baylor drama. There's the off-field drama. Then you go into this year and now we're all holding our breath about whether this coach is going to get fired or not. He's not. But because of the hot seat going into next year, there's still this uncertainty surrounding the program. And the way that they deal with PR, which is keep everything behind the curtain, well, you don't want to give, and he said, don't pay attention to the mob on Twitter. Well, by not putting out any information on your own part, you're making the mob on Twitter pretty much the only voice of the program. And when things get toxic, that affects it. So that's a great point. Yeah, that's a just, great point. That's a, I just want to say that's a great point. I, that's what I'm saying. Sorry. That's just a great point. <laughs> yeah. I just, maybe that will change, but you know, what you see is what you get at a certain point. If it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. And I have a hard time believing that the way that this athletic administration works is going to change in a drastic way and going into a season where, you know, maybe they can do well. I'm not going to write them off. I think that this season would have been a much better opportunity with Christian Derrissaw at left tackle, one of the best athletes Virginia Tech has had in any position. Khalil Herbert, the best running back since probably David Wilson in the backfield and a couple of veteran guys like Diablo and, and otherwise on the defensive side of the ball. This seemed like the opportunity to succeed, but knowing that the individual players that we thought would succeed did and good for them. They're going to go have their shot at the NFL. There's going to be some turnover. There's going to be a lot of questions surrounding this program and it's not an ideal hot seat situation. So for a fan base, we kind of got to sit back, hold our breath. And especially because they started off hot, the stomach ache won't end until they end the season with nine wins. Yeah. yeah. And well, just to add to your point, I will clarify my, my my question. I'm not, and you're right. I miss the games and the fans. I miss the fans deeply. When I say, are you excited? <clears throat> I'm talking about like, I was, uh, once I got over the whole issue with COVID, like not so much I had it, but just like, wow, this is going to be a season. I hated the back and forth. And it finally happened and we started off hot. Then I was like, okay, this team can actually be a dark horse to sneak into the ACC championship because you finally had all Fuente players as guys and we started off hot. Khalil Herbert was arguably one of the best players in ACC, and then then it just all stopped. And it's to the point now that a lot of fans, I include myself, are just fatigued mentally and emotionally when it comes to tech football because of the secrecy, because of their not knowing, and the lack of continuity and connection between the fan base and the coaches. And that, that should happen. Like, we should be able to have that. That's not really a lot to ask. And the excitement, Tech is such a great program. And I've said this on your, your podcast the first time I was on. Hokie Nation has been so great to this university, the fan base, that they have propped Tech in opportunities, the football program, to get into bowl games that sometimes they really won't qualify for. You know, one comes to mind being the Sugar Bowl of 2011 when they, they were eligible because of their record and their ranking, but they got in because Tech travels well. How many times have you heard, hey, we would prefer Virginia Tech because they travel well? how they take over stadiums, including even on the road games in the ACC because of the close proximity with the Carolina schools or even going down to Georgia Tech. This is a phenomenal fan base. And that's why I keep tweeting, we deserve better. And I just don't understand what's so hard. And even now, guys, as we speak, and once we're done recording, go on Twitter. There's a thread right now. It's been going on for a couple of hours between former players and some fans talking in public, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, about they don't care about us. 
It doesn't matter. That perception is terrible because you have such a strong Virginia Tech coaching tree throughout the Commonwealth and the Mid-Atlantic, and you have guys that are outspoken on Twitter. And that's the issue that you have to address that you just mentioned about the, 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 the mob crowd on Twitter manifesting itself to being louder and louder. You have to deal with that. And that's a phone call away. Not so much something you got to do in a press conference, but I don't know, man, if they all get it. And that, that's, that's disappointing because I don't claim to be the smartest person in the room, or even the smartest, smartest person on this podcast, but some stuff is not hard to get. Like um, Mike Young brought in like, when the guy I had on my uh, show, uh, Ace Custis, just to be a special assistant. Like Mike Young, not to say he's better than Coach Fuente, but I just think sometimes when you connect and you understand being from Virginia, you know what it takes to be at Virginia Tech. I think it, it manifests itself in your basketball program. And I think those are small things. If you're not going to be from Virginia and you're not going to be able to, you know, have those same memories, understand, then maybe get people around you that do. Um, to your point about not talking about the Commonwealth Cup in this podcast, maybe at the press conference, have guys like Pearson Prelo or Jack Tyler or Kavea Winslow or even um, – Justin Hamilton talking about guys, you know, I'm here. I played here. I'm here. This guy, this is you, you have to understand this, you know, just some rhetoric about what it means to be a Hokie. And I believe in this staff. Sometimes that's going to resonate a lot more than if it's just with Babcock. Does that make sense? That's kind of like what I'm saying, like the perception. <laughs> yeah. Right. So in, in 1992, Virginia tech finished two, eight and one. Um, Frank was in his 66th season. Things were not going great. There were a lot of fans who were ready to move on from Frank in 1992. Uh, Frank made some changes going into 1993. He brings on Ricky Bustle. He brings on Phil Amashin. Virginia Tech, all of a sudden, they all of a sudden go four and three in the Big East, which was a huge turnaround. They went nine and three overall. They ended up winning the Independence Bowl. That was the start of Virginia Tech's rise. And obviously, Things really kicked off with the 95 Sugar Bowl win against Texas. But those changes, those drastic, serious, significant, clear changes that Frank Beamer made helped pave the way for Virginia Tech to get where they wanted to go. We didn't see the specific, clear, significant changes that were laid out today. And given that they weren't even hinted at today by Whit Babcock, I'm not expecting to see any significant changes, I guess, today for those who are listening. Uh, when Justin Fuente speaks about the recruiting class, I'm not expecting to see any of those significant changes laid out today. And I, I don't need specific things like, hey, we're going to fire Brack or Nelson, because obviously you don't want to say that when guys are signing their national letters of intent. But Justin Fuente needs to go out there and say, look, guys, we understand that this team is underperforming. We understand that this program is not where it needs to be. We are going to take significant change, significant steps to make this football program better. Here are some of those steps, ABC, lay them out. And I was really hoping that Whip Babcock was going to do that today to an extent he didn't. And I'm worried that Justin Fuente is going to die with his guys rather than doing what so many other coaches have done when things haven't gone well. And this is something else we've talked about on the podcast. I believe it was 20... 16 when Notre Dame went went like four and eight right Mike and Virginia Tech won that game inside Notre Dame Stadium yep. Notre Dame cr cr just 
criminally underachieved that year. What did Brian Kelly do? He made significant wholesale changes and tried to turn around that program. And now Notre Dame is fighting for a national championship. I'm not saying that these changes are going to make Virginia Tech fight for a national championship, but you have to give yourself a chance. You have to be willing to address and admit that there are significant problems within your program, and you have to be open and honest about those problems with your fans and your donors and say, look, I get that there are problems. I understand it. We're going to fix them. This is how we're going to attempt to fix them, and you have to lay out specifics. And if Whit Babcock, who didn't do it today, and if Justin Fuente, who doesn't do it tomorrow, if neither one of those guys who are the faces of this program, if neither one of them lay out some actual specific set of changes, or if they don't make any sort of changes within the next month, month and a half, then fans have no reason to think that next season is going to go any better. Here, I want, I want to end go this Sorry, go on a question for all of you. Just because I don't think we've ever actually discussed. If you were with Babcock in the exact same set of circumstances, would you have made the decision to retain or terminate Justin Fuente? Dwight, we'll start with you. <laughs> oh, me? Um, you know what? I think to me, I would have I would have went to Beamer route. I would, I mean, when I say Beamer, I, I'm glad Richie brought it up because I was gonna be my point when it was my turn to go, when I was gonna jump in. I, see, the thing about it is, is that from what I hear, the two things I hear the most is the alumni relations and issues with the offense, right? That's always a hot topic. Every That goes back to the days even when I played with Ricky Bustle. But, I mean, of course, in today's game, the offense, you know, is more of a hot topic because, you know, that was the whole thing of why he was brought in. The comments are false. So you won't have to win games. I'm paraphrasing for Virginia Tech anymore. And, you know, and, and you saw – how they were just so explosive with Gerard Evans, who was a dynamic quarterback. So maybe I look at, like, I would probably come in and say, we got to change something. We got to do – because there's a certain game we have to play in politics and corporate America, right? You know, it's it's it's, it's like those that movie Bullworth. I'm a movie guy, by the way. You know, or you see even those shows like The Sopranos or The Wire. There's certain relationships and deals that have to be made just like Todd told you about the whole cold shoulder and the reply, you know, there's stories we won't get into on this, this podcast. I just interviewed Chris Malone and he tried to get hired when Beamer was there. And there were certain guys he brought in or why guys like O'Kane and Leffler were brought in versus other people or Kurt Newsom because the relationships, right. And also perception. I think if I was in his shoes and they, and I said this, he's got a tough job. I mean, you are the AD of a division one program that has high expectations. I think somebody has to take the fall. You've seen that. So, yeah, I'm not so much saying I would have got rid of him because to me, and, and, and I'm going to just say this, I haven't really tweeted this, but I said this to my wife and, and, and also in the former group, player group chat. It's not like really there's a lot of great hires out there. It's not like, I mean, you saw the speculation, all these different groups, whatever. Oh, we should get this guy, this guy. Oh, we should go here in the SEC. I didn't think there were a lot of great guys roaming around. So if you don't want to do the buyout, you want to go with the, you know, reasoning with COVID that Witt cited and all this stuff with the dead period. You, you like Justin Hamilton, a young guy who really didn't have a fair shot in getting his stuff going. Um, maybe make a few position changes starting with the OC. That would be what I would have done. Um, because that seems to be something because he doesn't speak to us that much and talking about the media and fans. 
you don't really hear from him. You know, Andy or, or maybe it was Mike Barber, I think it was Andy asked about the change where he would Fuente take over play calling. There's always been speculation that sometimes Fuente calls plays. You just don't really know. But despite the numbers being great nationally as far as Khalil Herbert and different things, there seems to be inconsistency and frustration, not just amongst the fan base, but even people that call the game. But at the same time, Witt said that he consulted with people and people felt like Virginia Tech was tough to prepare for. So he did his due diligence. So he's going to stick with the people. But if it was on me, I would have went, because I saw what happened with Beamer. You guys need to understand this. And this is something I can speak on. I have credibility on. Coach Beamer is a relationship guy. Like, he is patient. He did not like firing people. He did not like making changes either. He hired from within. Um, people don't realize Bud Foster didn't come to Tech with a lot of credibility. And he took over when I was at Tech in 95. He, but he was even then the co-defensive coordinator with Rod Sharpless, right? Coach Sharpless, who later went on to take the coordinator position at Rutgers the following year in 96. And that's when the lunch bell was created in 95 and 96. But Foster was an unknown guy. He brought in Charlie Wiles, who was not really known, but he was there with Coach uh, Foster and Beamer and them at Murray State. So it's not like Beamer always brought in high-profile guys. So when he made those changes in 92, he did them because it was, he, was, he was asked to do so because he knew it was either his job. So you got to sometimes do what's necessary. And, and to keep it real, this happens on the high school level. This happens sometimes even on the youth level. Sometimes you got to make changes, and, and, and it's hard. And the reality is, is that that's the business and the life they chose. And accountability should always be at the forefront. No one is bigger than the program. No one is bigger than the team. Accountability should be throughout the program. And it's not so much that, oh, well, the offense is a scapegoat because the defense had its fair share of, of embarrassing moments. But Hamilton was in his first year, didn't have the spring, didn't have winter workouts, didn't have time to really get his scheme in. And then he started the year with a newborn baby and also got COVID. We've had Brad the whole time. So that's my answer. I would change the offensive coordinator. Um, I this is very this is very difficult because you're in a pandemic year. I don't. I wasn't particularly sold on the pool of candidates that were rumored. I mean, I you know we could talk about who was rumored. I mean, Tony Elliott from Clemson, who I would have liked just because of the pedigree of the program he's coming from. But you take a step back, he had no head coaching experience. There's Billy Napier at Louisiana. Uh, there was Will Healy at Charlotte. Uh, th there was, you know, smoke about Luke Fickle, but I don't think that was ever realistic. So when you take a step back and kind of look at, at the candidate pool and you're going to make a change like this with the dollar value that's associated with making this change, you've got to be absolutely sure that the guy you're bringing in is going to be a better fit and who's going to perform better as the head coach and Justin Fuente. You don't make the change just for the sake of shaking things up because the fan base is mad. I think that's what Whit Babcock was alluding to during the press conference today. Now, I will say, obviously, change has to be made. I've been pretty clear about that. I think we all have been. I, I agree with you, Dwight. I, I think I would, if I were with Babcock and, and you have, you know, if you're sitting in Whit Babcock's shoes, I think you run the risk of obviously having Justin Fuente be real mad at you and, and you're running the risk of burning that bridge with him if you force his hand on some assistant coaching changes. But you know what? If you're putting your credibility on the line for your head coach the way the Whit Babcock has, 
I would tell Justin Fuente that if he wanted to keep his job at Virginia Tech and he wanted things to work out, things need to change because the status quo would not sell. And look, we're recording on the night of December 15th. Whit Babcock's press conference was today. Who's to say that changes aren't coming in some form or fashion? But what I will say is based on the press conference today and based on how they were talking and joking about Brad Cornelson, it doesn't sound like they're making a change to offensive coordinator. So I'm with you, Dwight. I think I probably would have forced Fuente's hand on some staff changes. Perhaps Whit Babcock did, and it's just not going to be the offensive coordinator like a lot of people would like. But it seems like this is going to remain status quo. And I think that's going to be a really hard sell. And, and truthfully, it already is a very hard sell to a fan base who doesn't want Fuente there right now in the first place based on how the team's performed. Ricky? Oh, Tim, before, before Ricky go, can I ask you guys, just, and I, I'm just asking a question. I just want to know, just to kind of, just to, break, to, to add to Mike's point, does anybody know anything about Brad Cornelson other than he's the offensive coordinator? And I say that because when Stein Spring was being criticized at Virginia Tech, when the offenses had such that talent, but they had great running backs and they were winning 11 games playing for ACC championships, they were ranked 99th or 90th or whatever. But the story was Stein Spring was such a great recruiter and he had great relationships and people, so many high school coaches loved him. I just want to add that point about relationships and the perception being reality because I don't know anything about Brad. I just wanted to ask if anybody knew anything else about him. I don't. I don't. And that's why I had that comment earlier about it being five years in and we haven't really talked to him. I mean, I don't I don't feel that connection either. I'm not even a former player or anything like that. I'm, I'm just a guy in the, in the media, but we never get to talk to him. I know yeah. he calls the plays, coaches the quarterbacks, and I live in Blacksburg, so I can tell you he goes running sometimes. I passed it by on the street. Beyond that, I don't think anyone really knows that much personally about him, at least outside of that locker room. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to ask that question because I think if Stonson had gotten fired, Cam Chancellor, Tyrod Taylor, myself, Bucky Hodges, and 50 to 70 other people would have been losing their stuff, and it would have been a, it would have been a riot. It would have been anarchy even though he was criticizing, he had some great moments as the OC, and he's a personal friend of mine. He's like an uncle, the father to me. But I understand criticism is part of the job that we all chose, whether in the media or players. So I just think if we had more access to him, that I just wanted, I, I know I'm, that's the theme I'm pushing tonight. I just want people to understand relationships are essential. Just being accessible so you say, you know what? He was dealing with this, so this is what was going on. But anyway, I'm, I'll, I'll listen to your answer, Ricky. I'm sorry. I just wanted to add that point. No, that's a that's a good point. Um, I laid out what I would have done. Uh, you can go read it. I, I, I think that Virginia Tech needed to move on from Brad Cornelson. I think specifically his quarterback development has been lacking. Um, and I, I laid that out specifically um, on my, my blog as well. And I think you should go read that because I think it, it, it's pretty clear that Justin Fuente and Brad Cornelson's ability to develop quarterbacks is questionable. Um I would have reassigned Justin Hamilton as defensive coordinator. I would have had him move back to safety. And um, I just don't think he's ready. I think Virginia Tech needs someone who's a bit more experienced. Um, Justin obviously showed some flashes of being able to put together a solid defense. But overall, I don't think Justin was ready for this kind of position. I would have made alumni relations a critical part of – my campaign to rebrand Virginia Tech. Um, I would have worked on developing those relationships with people like Dwight, people like Devon Morgan, people like Todd Washington, 
Um, even someone like Michael Vick, who is obviously probably the most notable Virginia Tech alum in terms of popularity and notoriety, but someone who, at least on the surface, doesn't seem like has a super deep connection to the current regime at Virginia Tech. And Dwight, maybe you can correct me on that if I'm wrong, but um, someone like Bruce Smith, who is obviously made quite the man of himself post-football. Um, this is a guy who's obviously an NFL Hall of Famer, but for anyone in my area of the state, in the in the Hampton Roads area, we know that Bruce has made himself quite influential in this area as a businessman. And Bruce is someone who definitely has the ability to network and develop relationships with people. And um, I, I haven't really seen Bruce kind of marketed as someone who is a close ally to the program and as someone who can speak for the program on behalf of the program as kind of an ambassador. Those are things that I would have made a significant run out. There are other, other smaller changes. Um, I think the fundraising at Virginia Tech needs to be looked at. I don't think that Virginia Tech is doing a fantastic job in that regard. Obviously, em emphasizing in-state recruiting is another thing. I don't think that Virginia needs to be the sole focus of recruiting, in the, in, at least in, in terms of how Virginia Tech attacks this thing. But I do think that they need to make more of an emphasis on developing those in-state relationships. That way, when there are guys that you really, really want to sign, you already have laid the foundation and planted seeds for that years ago. I think that that's, that's essential. Um, and ultimately, Virginia Tech needs to allow their coaches and their fans to develop an emotional connection with one another. That was obviously something that was very easy for Frank to do, given his personality, um, given Bud Foster's personality. That was very easy for Frank and Bud and the fans to develop that emotional bond. Justin is Boom. obviously – Yes, he, he is more <laughs> inward. He's more reserved. He, he, he and that's fine because I, again I, I've been very open on this podcast. I like Justin. I think Justin's a very honorable man. He's a family man. He's someone who is reserved, and that's fine. But as as an athletic program, your football program has to your your football coach specifically has to feel accessible to the fans. You have to make it feel like the fans are going on this emotional ride with you that even, even if things aren't going all that great, the fans are a part of it. They're behind you. The football team understands it and is fighting for, for the fans and the alumni. There isn't that perception right now between alumni and donors and fans that they are along for the emotional ride that is a football season. Virginia Tech needs to make that a real key this offseason, especially if they're not going to make significant changes towards the coaching staff, or towards how Justin Fuente operates his program, that has to be then uh, primero uno for how Virginia Tech is going to handle this thing. They have got to bring the fans along. They have got to bring the donors along. They have to bring the alumni along and make them feel like they're riding riding shotgun for this thing. I agree, Ricky. And you know, you guys pretty much hit on everything that I was going to say. But given the circumstances, I'm not against retaining him. But in the long term, like Dwight said, perception is, in fact, reality. And if these bridges are, are burned or near burned with Virginia high school coaches and alumni, you need to find a way to rebuild that quick. 
or else I don't have confidence that Justin Fingers. And you know what, Andrew? It shouldn't be that hard. You know why? Because Virginia Tech is the premier football program in the state of Virginia. And the Virginia Tech football head coach, no matter who the hell he is, should be able to walk into any high school in the country and, and develop that relationship because he's coming from a place of authority because he operates the premier football program in the state. And on that note, we will wrap it up. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us again, man. We love having you on. Dwight, you were terrific. Thank you. Thank you, man. That was fun and also insightful. As always, thank you again for coming on. You are, you are someone who can express the, the feelings of alumni and fans all in one because you are both, and we are very, very grateful that you're able to come on, and I'm sure our listeners are as well. Yeah, thanks, Dwight. Yes, thank you. I am Andrew Alex for Ricky LeBlue and Mike McDaniel. We thank you for joining the Hooky Hangover podcast. We'll probably make another one soon. We kind of got to do a complete autopsy of the season at some point here. Obviously, there's plenty of basketball going on. And early signing day is, in fact, tomorrow. The content keeps coming. Shout out to the good folks over at Main Street Pharmacy. Rate, review, subscribe, do everything you need to do. You guys know the drill. Until then, we'll be back. Go Hokies. <laughs>